You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Well, good morning. Glad you are here. Uh, My name is Dan Nelson. I get to be your guest uh, speaker this morning. Uh, If you don't know me, I've been around Meadowbrook for probably 11 years, something like that. Uh, Started out as an attender and then got hired on staff by Keith's predecessor as the executive pastor for uh, three years. I was the interim until Keith got here. Uh, Then I was part-time executive pastor, and then uh, I stepped off of there and became just, uh, I say just, shouldn't say that, became a member of the elders. And then I stepped off elders at the end of uh, August, just passed. So you too can climb the rungs of success at Meadowbrook, but... uh, uh, right now, I am a member of the, the welcome team, and I'm part of the finance team. And so if you want a low-key, here's a little bit of a commercial, but if you want a low-key but important place to serve uh, that doesn't take a lot of time but is important, welcome team is one of those, and finance team is one of those. And so if that maybe tickles an interest for you, come see me, and I can point you in the right direction, maybe some answer, the question, answer some questions and uh, tell you who to talk to to find out more. Uh, if you're wondering why is Dan up here, and Keith kind of said that, uh, he and the staff were at a conference this past week in Arizona. Uh, we can give them a hard time that, yeah, suffering from Jesus when it's 75 degrees and we're 30 degrees and windy here, uh, and I've definitely done that to them. Uh, but I got to go to that conference when I was on staff, and it's a good conference. And, uh, so when you give, one of the places uh, some of your money goes is to help staff take some continuing education events because they're important. You get to, to get inspired and educated and just some amazing preaching at, at these conferences. And you get to hang out with some other pastors and, and ministry staff uh, of, from churches in this area, but you just don't get to see them except for once a year at this convent, or conference. So thank you for giving so that I was able to go in the past and that they got to go as well this year. I want to start off with a couple of visual aids for you. And I want to know, do you know what that is? Okay, well, let's try another one. Do you know what that is? A green line. Well, uh, <laughs> it, it, well, that's more than anybody, don't laugh, it's more than anybody else has said. Okay, one more, one more. Know what that? Well, there you go. Flip the next one. It, it's the value of a share of stock. For Tesla, Apple, and then the value of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, what it's done over the past year. Um, why, why these things? Well, Dow Jones, it's an average, you know. <clears throat> I own a couple shares of Tesla. I'm not getting wealthy, but uh, I own a couple shares of Apple. So I, I kind of have a, a, a little, little more interest in them. Uh, I do not follow them. All right, I, I bought them. It's been years since I bought those shares when I had a few extra dollars, and I just let them do what they do. They are not going to carry me through retirement. I know that. But, you know, I can say I've got a couple of shares of these particular items. Um, I just let them do what they do. Um, way back in the day when you had to have a stock broker buy stocks for you, uh, my dad called a friend of his, and this friend was very active in the stock market. And he had his broker call him every morning 
at the same time that the, every day that the stock market was open to tell him how stocks are doing and to buy and trade and all this, my dad called him one morning at that time and got in ahead of the, the broker. And when this friend of my dad's realized, this is not my broker, this is you know, my dad, he hung up on him. I mean, people are into their stocks, right? I don't really watch mine, but some people do. And you may not realize it, maybe you do, but you probably own some stock in the stock market. If you have any kind of pension program, most pension programs are invested to some degree or another in the stock market. I know mine is. And it's always interesting. Every quarter I get a report to see the performance of my portfolio. I love saying that word. And, and it's been kind of sad over the past year, year and a half, to just watch that go down and to the right, generally speaking, because we all want it to go up and to the right. We're concerned and we pay attention to what that does. And I think more of us lately are aware of the stock market and we're aware of the economy because there's so much going on with that right now, not just in the United States, but in the whole world. And we pay attention and, and we get reports and up and to the right is typically not part of those reports because that's what we want. We want things to go up and to the right. About 2,000 years ago, this guy named Jesus came on the scene and he had a lot to say about money and material wealth, right? In fact, he talked about money and material wealth more than he talked about anything else, even the kingdom of God. And if truth be told, I like to preach about money. It's one of my favorite topics because I am a satisfied, I'm not a graduate yet, still got a lot to learn, but I'm a satisfied customer of the Jesus School of Financial Management. And so I want to share some things with you uh, today that I've learned a little bit and just, you know, raise some questions and maybe, maybe learn some things. Um, what I have to say this morning is nothing new, really. Uh, if you've been around the church much, if you've been into your Bible much, you've probably heard or read most, if not all, of what I'm going to say. But my hope is that um, it will spark some memories if you've heard it before. Because I know when we hear some things, when we go to some of these conferences, you think, oh, that's great, I need to remember that. And you take notes and you, and you say, oh, hold on to that and you file it away. And then oftentimes we forget it, as important as it was. Until somebody says something or does something that reminds us of that, and we go, oh yeah, I had forgotten about that. And so I hope this morning that if I repeat things you've heard before, it will remind you, and that you could grab a hold of something this morning that you haven't held on to before, and maybe you can find a way to plug it in to your life. And so with that in mind, I would invite you to stand, and we're going to read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But, right, contradiction. Jesus didn't follow along with this guy. He said, but, Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, to his disciples, because that's who he's talking to, he said to his disciples, Take care <coughs> and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. <laughs> and then Jesus told them a parable. Would you be seated? 
So I want to give you a bit of context here, right? Jesus is speaking in front of, Luke tells us, thousands of people. So many thousands that they're trampling upon one another. And in the midst of this crowd, though, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. We don't know many, how many disciples were there that he was speaking to exactly, probably not the entire crowd. But he's talking to his disciples and he's teaching them about hypocrisy and about who to fear and who to acknowledge or deny in front of others. And he talks about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So these are some important, meaty kingdom topics, right? And we hope that his disciples listen, they're paying attention and maybe taking a few notes. And then out of the blue, this guy, who apparently was not paying a lot of attention, asks Jesus for a favor. He says, hey, teacher, tell my brother to give me my share of the inheritance. And this sounds like a reasonable request, right? He's not asking for more than he deserves. He's just saying, Jesus, tell my brother to follow the rules. I'm supposed to get this. Make him give me my inheritance. I wonder if his brother was standing there. You know, it'd be kind of awkward, right? A little bit, I don't know. But in my imagination, and, and this is not biblical, this is my imagination, Jesus is talking, and I think as he took a breath, this guy interrupted him. So he's ready to say the next word. This guy jumps in, and so Jesus has to stop talking. And, and he listens to this request. And again, in my imagination, he leans over to his disciples, and he says, hey, Anybody know this guy? Who, who, who is this guy? And, and maybe he stands there and he looks at him and kind of rolls his eyes a little bit, shakes his head a little bit. That's my imagination. We don't know exactly if he did that or not, but what we do know is he replied. And he said, dude, and, and if you look at the Greek, your translation, it says man, literally it means dude, okay? Jesus says, dude, why are you asking me that? I mean, I, that's not my responsibility. I don't make those decisions. I am not an estate attorney. But here's what I will say. And he turns to his disciples. And he says, be careful. Don't get greedy. Life does not consist in how much wealth you have. And then... Luke says, Jesus told them a parable. And we know what a parable is, right? It's a story that typically in the Bible Jesus makes up to help bring home a point. And this parable is, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns and there I will store my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul soul you have ample goods laid up for many years relax eat and drink and be merry but God said to him fool this night your soul is required of you. And all this that you have prepared, whose will they be? A retelling. 
and words Jesus might use if he were telling this parable today. It was a bull market, and Wall Street was hot, and the stock portfolios of a particular young couple was growing up and to the right by leaps and bounds, gaining on every chart. Their shares of Apple did a two-to-one split, and Tesla did a three-to-one. Life was good and getting better, and there was no end in sight. One night at supper, this couple was discussing their investments, and they thought, what shall we do with all this profit that we are making? Let's diversify. Let's sell some of this stock so that we can buy more and different stock. Let's buy some bonds. Let's invest in real estate. Real estate is getting more valuable. Let's buy some gold. You can't lose with gold. The need for computer chips, growing, growing, growing. Let's Let's buy Intel. And how about we invest in this thing called, called crypto? That looks like a sure bet. And, and then let's sell a few shares so we can just enjoy some of this. Let's buy a helicopter, right? Stick with me. Let's buy a helicopter, and then we'll buy a yacht with a helicopter pad on it. And then we can fly our yacht, our helicopter out to our yacht, sail to other countries, and enjoy life all over the world. And then when we come back, let's build a cabin up in the mountains and we'll fly our helicopter there to stay over and ski and just enjoy the winter. And then let's buy an apartment in downtown New York with a helipad on the top, of course, so we can fly our helicopter there and, and check in on our business Let's enjoy life, because life is awesome. But God said to them, you fools, you're going to die tonight on your way home from dinner. Now who's going to enjoy all this stuff you have? And then Jesus concluded his parable with an important point. He said, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Right? Whoever gets rich for themselves, instead of getting rich towards God, whatever exactly that means, and we'll touch on that in a minute, they're going to get the same reward. Nothing. So I want to raise a couple questions and make a few points here. And first, I want us to notice this guy who got us started way back at the beginning, who asked the question of Jesus. Jesus is talking about serious kingdom issues. And we should be paying attention when Jesus talks about serious kingdom issues. But this guy jumps in the middle of it and he says, Hey, Jesus, make my brother pay me. Now, I'm sure you have never done anything like that, right? I mean, you have never been so involved and so focused on your own issues that you totally miss it when Jesus speaks to you. You've never done that, have you? Yeah, me either. And notice how Jesus responds. He warns his disciples about being covetous. Covetousness means marked by an inordinate desire for wealth and possessions. And I think a key word here is uh, inordinate. It's disproportionately large. And part of the understanding there is there is a normal level of interest in wealth and possessions. And then there's too much. 
And Jesus says, watch out for being too much. Don't get carried away. Why? Because according to this guy named Jesus, he says, life does not consist in all the stuff that you have. And, and that makes me pause for a minute, and I say, wait, really? It doesn't? I mean, I thought the goal of life was, you know, make more money, buy more stuff, do more things, acquire more. I, I mean, I want to see my portfolio, you know, move up and to the right. You would think that that's where meaning is to be found, right? Watch the commercials. The meaning of life is drink the right beer and drive the right car and wear the right clothes and go to the, the perfect vacation spots. Order before midnight, free shipping. And we know you may not have enough money for all of these things. We can finance it for you. And if you pay it off in less than five years, no interest. Jesus' point goes against the conventional wisdom. He says, life does not, not consist in the abundance of your stuff. And to drive home that point, to help them understand, he tells them this parable about a guy who thought the years ahead were going to be great and wonderful and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry, but alas, it was not to be. Parables are made-up stories, right? They're not true. They're, they're made up to drive home a specific point. So when we listen to this parable, we don't need to be worried about the eternal destiny of the rich guy, okay? We don't need to pray for his salvation. And we can't generalize about what's not there, but we can notice what is there because what is there is there for a reason. And one of the things we notice is this rich guy in the parable was a rich guy who was concerned only about himself. That's all he talked about. When the, the term narcissist comes to mind, right? We know what that is. Somebody, they just, they're uber self-centered. All his talk is about I and me and my and mine. Not a word about anyone or anything beyond himself. As far as we can observe in this story, the world centered around him. He was the sunshine of his own life. And, and you've never been like that, right? I mean, I know I certainly haven't. And we're good Christians, right? We're at church on Sunday morning. We give, we serve. We try to do the right thing. I mean, we don't always succeed, but we try at least. And so, of course, we have never made any decisions, financial or otherwise, that are pretty much just about me and my and mine and, and leave everybody else out, have we? Yeah, me either. Okay, good. See, the number one target in this guy's crosshairs was, I want to enjoy life. It's me. It consumed him. And so Jesus warns his disciples and us as well. He says, be on your guard against being covetous. He doesn't say ignore money and material things. He doesn't say go live in poverty. He says, be on your guard against covetousness. Why? Because people don't just go, boom, and they're covetous, right? It's like one day they're humble and they're giving, and the next day they just want to get it all together. The, the, what we need to guard against is the creep of covetousness. It sneaks up on us. We don't even notice it because it's just bit by bit by bit. I've got a cat that creeps, 
and she'll jump up on the couch and she wants to sit in my lap. I don't want her to sit in my lap. She sheds. But I'll be sitting at, you know, watching the TV. She gets up there. She's there. <coughs> and the next thing I know, there's just this paw on my thigh, you know? When did that happen? And then there's another one up there. And then pretty soon she's, you know, next thing I know, she's in my lap. And I, I mean, that's, you got to be on your guard because covetousness creeps. There's nothing wrong with watching your 401k. There's nothing wrong with trying to save up some money until that desire replaces the desire for God. And the rich man's desire for stuff, if he had or had it to start with, we don't know, but his focus on stuff had gotten in the way of him participating in the kingdom of God. And Jesus says of this man, fool. Not, oh, darn, that's too bad. Oh, this poor guy, let's work with him. He says, fool. And that's pretty harsh when Jesus says of your life, fool. And then Jesus offers up this summarizing statement. He says, so was the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Eugene Peterson wrote a paraphrase of scripture called The Message. And he says, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. And that raises the question, right? What am I filling my barn with? What are you filling your barn with? And Jesus talks about that in the next few verses. And, and some of it's kind of fuzzy. Some, it's not real definite, some of it. But, but there are verses we like. There are verses we've heard before, right? He says, don't be anxious because just look at how God takes care of the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. And he's going to take care of you in the same way. And that makes us feel good, right? I mean, I want God to take care of me. I appreciate that the God of the universe has his eye on me. He says, seek the kingdom of God. And well, we, we kind of try to do that, right? It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, love those verses. They're comforting and they're reassuring and they don't challenge us a lot. They do a little, I mean, for sure. Uh, we kind of tend to take these, this passage and think, well, it's not really about money. Sometimes we do this. It's about my heart. And, and there's some truth there. And, and what I've said so far kind of leans that way. And, and it says to us, well, I can be concerned about my 401k without worrying about losing my salvation, right? Say, yeah, okay. But then Jesus slips a challenge in there, right? And he makes us uncomfortable. He says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. And we think, seriously? Sell my stuff and, and give the money to the needy? I worked hard for what I have. I put in the time and the sacrifice, and I'm not just going to give my stuff away. Okay, sell it, but, but give the money to the needy? Come on, we know who the needy are, right? We know how they are. They're, they're not needy, they're lazy. Because they choose. They, they don't want help, they want a free ride. I am not going to sell my stuff and give that money to the needy. I know we say, you know, God's word is true and authoritative and inerrant and infallible, but I just can't believe that Jesus would really want me to sell my possessions 
and give the money to the needy? Really? Quick sidebar. When's the last time you read uh, Matthew 25? It's a story about the sheep and the goats. Quick synopsis is, at the, end of the, at the end of the age, Jesus is dividing all the people into two groups, the sheep and the goats. And the people who are the sheep are the people who, saw, who, who uh, gave food and water to the hungry and the thirsty and gave uh, shelter to the homeless and went to visit them in prison. That's the sheep because they did those things. And the goats, well, those are the people who didn't. And, and Jesus, at the end of that passage, says, you know, the sheep enter into eternal life. And the goats enter into eternal condemnation. Why? Because of what they did. There's nothing there that says they trusted Jesus. It says, here's what you did. Here's what makes the difference. And I read that and I think, wow, that sounds like works righteousness. That my salvation is contingent upon whether I fed the poor, not whether I trusted Jesus. And if I read in Ephesians especially, Paul says explicitly, your salvation is by faith. It's a gift of grace. It is not in any way, shape, or form based on what you've done or not done. It's based on what Jesus has done. And we got to trust Jesus. And there's a tension there. And I haven't found the right way, I don't think, to relieve that tension. But what it does for me is it says, hey, Dan, you need to think long and hard before you dismiss or ignore or refuse to help somebody because they're needy, that they're unworthy, that they don't deserve it. Ugh. I don't like that. I want salvation by grace. I want to keep the stuff I earned. Here's a quick side squirrel, okay? We think if I just have a little bigger bank account, I won't worry about it so much. I know a guy, and just because of my work, I know his bank balance. And he is a multi-million dollar bank balance, okay? Multi. He worries about having enough money. And I look at his bank balance, and I say to myself, <laughs> what are you worried about, dude? He is, which says to me, the real issue is not my bank balance. The real issue is not your bank balance, because more money doesn't really solve the issue. That certainly enters in. I, I don't doubt that. But being, and being the good Jesus followers we are, we know that we shouldn't focus on those things. But Jesus talks about being rich towards God. That that rich fool is not rich towards God. And, and, and I wonder, raises that question, what are we filling our barns with? What are you filling your barn with? Maybe, maybe part of the reason that we get uptight about 
talking about money in church. Maybe part of the reason we as pastors sometimes are afraid to talk about money is because money and stuff is really close to our heart, isn't it? It's in the wrong places, maybe. <clears throat> if I asked you to raise your hand, and I won't, but if I asked you to raise your hand if, if uh, money is your number one priority, nobody would raise your hand because we know that's not right. If I said, where is your heart? I hope nobody would say, well, it's in the stock market. I mean, what do we say when we get questions like that in church? Where's your heart? It's with... Oh, come on. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus is the answer. I mean, 99% of the time, that's the answer. We would say, my heart's with Jesus. I'm following Jesus, not the stock market, not my bank balance. But Jesus says, if you want to know where your heart is, if you really want to know where the real you is, the center of your being, the true you, if you want to know where that is, notice where your treasure is. That which is of value to you, your money, your stuff, primarily. Where do you invest your time and your energy and your money? Because that's where your heart goes. You've got a choice. We have a choice of where our heart's going to be because it follows our treasure. And so are we investing our time and our energy and our stuff in kingdom things or in other things. What are we trying to fill our barns with, right? See, this parable, doesn't, and, and the rest of Scripture for that matter, doesn't say ignore material needs, ignore money. Maybe we get that from kind of a misinterpreted, misquoted 1 Timothy uh, 6.10. You know, uh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. That's not what it says. It says the love of money is one of the roots of evil. Evil comes from all places, all kinds of places. And the problem is not money, it's when we love money. What are we filling our barns with? What do we want more of? What do we love to have around us? See, money can be a powerful tool to build the kingdom and to make things happen as we follow God. As long as we don't love it, and we love God instead. See, I think the guy in the crowd had lost sight. If he ever had it to start with, I don't know, but he'd lost sight of the kingdom. His heart was in the wrong place, and so we need to ask that. How much time and energy and resources in my life do I spend wherever it is? What does that tell me about me? Statistics tell us. You know what the number one point of conflict is for couples? money. Yeah. And so a question you can ask is that if you and you, I mean, every once in a while you, you have differences and maybe argue it. That's a different thing. But the number one, how often do you fight about money? And if you fight about money a lot, maybe you need to ask the question, hmm, where is my heart? Where is my treasure? Maybe I'm fighting about the wrong things. Maybe I'm trying to fill my barn with the wrong things. How's your level of generosity? And I'm not asking you how much do you give to the church. I'm saying, where's your level of generosity? Do you have a hard time being generous with your money, wherever you are, whatever you're doing? The question is, do you give? And as a Christian, we need to give. 
Because as human beings, we're created in the image of a giving God. And as Christians, we're supposed to let God live through us. And, and so are we reflecting that image in our lives? Because see, generosity breaks down covetousness. And it breaks down narcissism. And it breaks down selfishness. And it lets that image of God flow out of us. How's your level of giving? Maybe, maybe your personal application here today, I don't know, but maybe your application is you need to go home and reevaluate your giving. Wherever it is, however it is, I don't know, but maybe you do. Do you have a hard time being generous with your time? I mean, it's difficult because we live in a busy world, right? And when you greet someone, you say, hey, Dan, how you doing? Oh, doing fine, busy, busy, busy. Right? I mean, busy, that's a, that's a merit badge. That's an award. That's, that's a, a desirable thing. We want to be busy. It's a status symbol. But the question is, busy with what? Kingdom things? Or earthly things? Maybe, maybe an indicator of our focus on the kingdom or not, and I think it's particularly appropriate now, is how we deal with people who have a different political position than we do. I know people, and maybe you know them too, and I've got some of this in my family. None of this is my wife, okay? I want to be real clear about that. She was here in early service, and she's like, you know. But I, I have family members on both sides of this. People who think that Donald Trump is the fourth member of the Trinity. And if we could just get Donald and the Republicans into power, that would solve all of our problems. And I also have people know people, and maybe you do too, who think Donald Trump and the Republicans sit at the right hand of Satan. And if we can just get or keep Joe Biden and the Democrats in power, that would solve everything. I don't care where you are on that spectrum. My question for you is that wherever you are on that spectrum, whatever position you take in all the politics that are going on, how do you think of and talk about and talk to people who are at a different place than you, especially if they're far apart from where you are? How do you, how do you talk to them and how do you talk about them? Thanksgiving is coming, right? And in my family, and Melody's family, Thanksgiving is a big deal because with our kids and parents, that is the one holiday of the year that we, like that's the sacred time we come together, right? Once a year because we've got, you know, in-laws and outlaws and uh, all of that. I mean, you know how it is if you've got a family, right? Trying to get everybody together. Thanksgiving, that's the time. And I look forward to that because when we come together, we talk, at, the, at the Thanksgiving table, we talk about religion and politics, and what makes that challenging and fun is our family is pretty spread across that, you know, political spectrum. And, and some, of, some of us in that family, we can, be, we can be pretty adamant about our position and about where other people should be, i.e. where we are. And it's just interesting because there is such potential for conflict in those discussions. And in the last 37 or 8 years that I've been part of this dynamic, we have never, never gotten into conflict in those discussions. 
And again, <laughs> I, got, I got people who love Trump, hate Trump, love Biden, hate Biden. Got them all. Because we've realized there's a bigger issue here. There's kingdom issues. And so let's stop dissing on somebody who's different than me. And this is my family, okay? Let's not diss on them because they're different. Let's talk about it. And let's learn. Why do you believe that? And sometimes we learn something from somebody else. We make it a point to say, what's the real issue? It's a kingdom issue, not a family issue. And it's a blast to have these discussions. And they border on arguments sometimes. But again, we remember, what's the focus? What's the real issue here? Kingdom issues. And so that's the question for us, right? What are we filling our barns with? What are you filling your barn with? Of course, the answer, we're in church, it's Jesus, focused on kingdom issues. But here's what you got to do. This is a two-part question, right? The first question is, what are you filling your barn with? And the second question you got to ask yourself when you answer that question is, really? Am I sure that's what I'm filling my barn with? Because sometimes it really isn't. What are you filling your barns with? Your barn. I don't know if you have multiple barns. <laughs> what are you filling your barn with? Self or God? Are you sure? I can't answer that question for you. You can't answer it for me or anybody else. You can only answer it for you. And so hopefully the questions and illustrations I've brought up will help you answer that question. But you've got to ask it. And you've got to answer it. Because it's about the kingdom. Let's pray. God, thanks for a barn to start with. That we have resources and, and stuff. I mean, you've blessed us. We are rich people. We are blessed people. God, forgive us when we, when we let that covetousness sneak up on us. God, give us wisdom to see that in our own lives and to, to hold it off, to push it back, because it's always there, always trying to climb into our lap get into our lives. God, make us wise to see your kingdom and to know the difference between what needs to come into our barn and what doesn't. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, glad you were here. Hope you enjoy your day. See you next week for thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.